Welcome to the Cornerstone Baptist Church podcast. My name is Justin Wheeler. I am the preaching pastor for Cornerstone. And today we are in week 22 of our journey through the Heidelberg Catechism. Today we're going to be looking at questions 57 and 58. And what that means for us as we're studying through this is that we're finishing up the section of the Catechism that has been looking into the Apostles' Creed. Uh, Today I'm going to be discussing the very last line that reads, I believe in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. So our topics will be our own personal resurrection and the eternal life that follows. What do we know about these things? Well, let's look at the question. 57, what comfort does the resurrection of the body afford you? Here's the answer. That not only my soul after this life shall be immediately taken up to Christ its head, but also that this my body, raised by the power of Christ, shall again be united with my soul and made like unto the glorious body of Christ. So once again, Heidelberg is asking about how the doctrines of the Christian faith give comfort to our hearts and minds. And this might seem like a small thing, but it shifts the focus from our minds only and puts a little emphasis on our hearts. And I personally think it's a good thing. We, we should always be keen to ensure that what we believe in our head is sound and biblical and true. We need to know God's truth. We need to know the truth of God's word. But we are also intended to feel that truth in our hearts. We are to know the truth, and that truth will set us free. And part of that freedom is the unshakable comfort that the truth brings. And in this this case, the question relates to how the Bible's teaching on the resurrection brings us comfort. And this is a great question for us to consider, because the thing that necessarily precedes any discussion of resurrection is death. And death is something that has brought fear and discomfort to humanity since, well, forever. Death is the great equalizer. We will all face it. And it has a a near flawless record. Only a few men in history have ever cheated death. We have Enoch in Genesis 5.24 who walked with God and he was not for God took him. And then you have Elijah the prophet who was carried into heaven on a fiery chariot in 2 Kings 2.11. And then there was Jesus, but Jesus didn't cheat death. Jesus conquered death. But for us, for those of us who believe and who remain, death is coming for all of us. And the gospel that we believe gives us comfort because it promises that just as Jesus was raised from the dead bodily, so will we be. Let me read a section from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It's toward the end of the chapter, uh, and this is the chapter that the Apostle Paul is, is not only defending the gospel, he's reminding the church of the gospel, but he's also talking specifically about this resurrection reality and what it will mean for us and why it's important for us. And here's what he tells them at the end of the chapter. He says, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God nor does the the perishable inherit the imperishable. His whole point is to say this, in order for us to enter into the eternity, the kingdom of God that is being prepared for us, we have to undergo a change. We can't enter into that imperishable kingdom still trapped in this perishable body. He says this, behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, 
but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead, those who died and were buried, will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. Now, he's talking about this possibility of some of us still being alive when the, when the second coming occurs. Uh, there are those who have died and they have gone into the ground. They're perishable bodies, very much perishing. And those of us who are still alive, when this occurs, two things will happen. The dead will be raised and those who remain, those who are still alive, will be changed. How will they be changed? He goes on. He says, For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on the immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I know this is a long passage, but it makes very clear that for those who trust in Christ, death is not the end. In fact, death will one day be no more. The curse of sin is death, but the day is coming when that curse will no longer have any claim on us. Christ's victory will be our victory. His resurrection will become our resurrection. And this is a comfort to us because it means that we can face death with the confident knowledge that my body, raised by the power of Christ, shall again be united with my soul and made like unto the glorious body of Christ. That's what the, the catechism teaches us here. But that's not all. There's, that's the first half of this. What, what do we know and how do we take comfort from the fact that we're going to be raised from the dead? Well, that tells us that death is not the end. But there's more to that. What comes after? Well, that's the second question here. Number 58. What comfort have you from the article of life everlasting? And here's the answer. That inasmuch as I now feel in my heart the beginning of eternal joy meaning I can already feel and experience something of the joy of this life and what is to come, he, he says this, I shall after this life possess complete bliss, such as I has not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man therein to praise God forever. So here's the second half of the question. Not only will our bodies be raised made immortal, made imperishable, but our, we will forever be un, our bodies will forever be united to our souls after death. And this resurrection will mark the beginning of something that Heidelberg calls eternal joy. Now, what does that even mean? What does eternal joy mean? Well, I mean, it's hard for us to grasp. I mean, even, even the statement here, the, the, the Bible points this out. No eye has seen this. No ear has heard this. No heart has imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. This eternal joy, this complete bliss is something that we can't fully grasp. But we know this. Death is not the end. It simply marks the beginning of some aspect of life that we cannot fully get our minds around because we can't rightly imagine what God has in store for us. 
Time will be no more. Pain will be no more. Fear will be no more. Sorrow will be no more. Every experience, every relationship, every longing, every hope, every satisfaction will be absolutely perfect, complete bliss. And these things will never end. That's what forever means. That's what eternal life, life everlasting means. They will never end. Kevin DeYoung tries to help us grasp this um, when he writes, The blessedness of eternal life is like savoring your favorite food, drinking your favorite drink, laughing with your favorite friends. It's like seeing your wife on your wedding day sparkling in her overpriced dress and grinning from ear to ear. It's like holding a newborn baby or watching your grandkids play. It's like all of these moments and all the others that we left out, except these moments never stop and they never wane. It just goes on and on and on and on forever. But even more amazing than the reality of full satisfaction in all of these things, in everything forever, is the reality of being in the presence of God and worshiping Him in the fullness of His glory. Imagine with me for a moment that there is someone you consider to be your favorite person in the world, perhaps an artist or an author or an actor or a musician or some hero or heroine that you're a fan of. And let's imagine that that when it comes to this person, you have a choice between one of two options. Either option A, you are allowed to go into a room that is filled with this person's work. Like you get to read their books and you get to look at their art and you get to sample their, their music and you get to watch their movies. You've been given access to all that your favorite person has done and you're able to go in and you're able to enjoy it and to share it with others and then you can keep all of that stuff for the rest of your life. That's option A. And option B is this. You get to go into a room and spend the rest of eternity with that person face to face. Eternal life, the eternal life that is promised to those who believe, is like option B, but Christ is that person. We get to be face to face with Christ forever. It'd be like having the best day of our lives every new day. It'd be like the most precious, most delightful, most amazing, most satisfying, most encouraging, most awesome day, and every day will be better than the last day. Food will never have tasted so good. Laughter will never have been so sweet. Every joy, every pleasure, every moment will be more satisfying than we could ever imagine. Psalm 1611 says, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. In other words, joy is complete in your presence, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. A day will come when Christ will return, and the veil of this world will be drawn back, and King Jesus will have come to finish His work and establish His kingdom for all eternity. And at that time, He will initiate a resurrection from the dead, when all who have undergone physical death will be raised to stand trial in the courtroom of God. And those who remain in unbelief and rebellion, who rejected Christ in life, they will be called to account for their sin. And according to Jesus, they will be told, depart from me, you cursed into eternal fire, prepare for the devil and his angels. This is what the Bible refers to as the second death. But for those who are made alive by the Spirit of God, who are born again to trust in Christ by faith, the scriptures say that we will be raised that our bodies and our souls will be reunited, 
that our garments will have been washed white by the blood of the Lamb. When we stand to give an account for our sin before God, it will be clear that our sins have been paid for by the death of Jesus. And the Bible says that he set aside our sin debt and he nailed it to the cross. Death will be no more than a memory. And even the bitterness of that will be wiped away. And we will stand with Jesus facing eternal life with him. That is our hope and that gives us comfort. Thanks for joining me today as I discuss the Heidelberg Catechism. I hope you will join me again next week when we look at Lord's Day 23 together and we discuss questions 59 through 61. Now, if you want to learn more about Cornerstone Baptist Church, you can find us online at cornerstonewiley.org. You can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at CBC Wiley, and you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash cornerstone Wiley. You can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Google Play to stay up to date on all the new content. Thank you so much for listening.